recording. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast, the RFC, the Rebel Pro Making Community. I'm Sean, your host, and today we have the one, but maybe not the only, because Travis <laughs> Parker feels like it could be a common name, but it's certainly the one, the only Travis Parker I know who fits the multi-hyphenate vibe, because this guy is a world-renowned stunt performer and now stand-up. It's almost like opposite ends of the spectrum, but I bet we'll get into how they correlate for you. So welcome to the show, my man. I really appreciate you being here. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the intro. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny. I think about that a lot, like how many other Travis Parkers there are. And uh, one day, if if I have the income, I want to celebrate. Uh, I just want to like, I, I want to do weird shit. I want to do two things. One, I want to have a birthday party and only let people in who were born on May 5th, which is my birthday. <laughs> and be like, oh, if your ID doesn't say May 5th, you That's can't That's amazing. Party. And it's just everyone is celebrating their birthday together. I want to do that so bad. And then I uh, love that. That's thing. smart. Yeah, one day. One yeah. day. And the same thing with my name. Just be like, hey, I'm going to this bar. If your name's not Travis, you can't come in. It's going to be real weird. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That one may not be as fun because there won't yeah. be as many women there. But yeah, that's fun. true. That's true. <laughs> no, that actually is this is a perfect segue because my first question, and this kind of just happened, you're my 19th guest, which is crazy to think about. But I've I always ask, was there a na- like a, a history to your name? Because I've had a lot of guests be like, well, I had to ch- kind of change my name because it was too hard to pronounce. Or there was someone in SAG with my name, so I literally had to unionize separately. Or did yeah. that ever come up for you? So I remember <laughs> this is so funny thinking about young me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I bet. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so like I remember before I moved to LA, I in my mind I was like, is Travis Parker an exciting enough name? I was <laughs> like, maybe I can do I remember I was I was still in college at the time. It was like and I drove by this road. It was like Colchester Avenue. And I was like, oh, what if my name is like, my middle name's Michael. I was like, what if I change it to Michael Colchester? That sounds Hollywood. <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> Doesn't it? It, sure it, sounds, does. yeah. it sounds so Hollywood. Yeah. And, then, um, and then once I got in and I tried, like, I tried, like, Travis M. Parker and just trying to, yeah. like, make my name have pizzazz. And then I don't know when it happened, but one day... I just settled with the thought, and I was like, you know what? If I have pizzazz, my name doesn't need to. Mm. You know what I mean? So I like, love that. That's yeah. real. That's real. Yeah. So I just – I and I love my name. I've always, like, loved – I just – I felt like I always rolled off the tongue really well, and I was like, yeah, I got yeah. a great name. And so, yeah. I, so I just stopped with that whole thing. It was just like, I'm just going to be me, yeah. which is, like, kind of the journey, right? <laughs> totally. Dude. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I went through a similar phase, ironically. Like, my middle name is Michael as well. Yeah. Uh, so we should have a party with only middle name with Michaels. Only Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the lamest party of the world. The it would all be old, guys. Uh, but, no. So, no, that's a trip. And you're so right. Because your name, actually, it sounds like a rock star's name. It sounds yeah. like a BMX guy's name. It does have pizzazz, and you certainly do on your own. Even if your name was like Olaf, you would still be carrying some heat, buddy. Yeah. So let's start. I love this because you're already back where I was going to go, which is where are you from? Where'd you grow oh, up? 
So I grew up um, in a small town called Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, it's one of those, like, we, we'll stop here to get gas towns, you know? Mm. It's like we're going from a big city to a big city, and halfway in between, there's Fredericksburg. Mm. It sounds like it was like a war in the Civil War. That's oh, what it, it was. sounds oh, like. Oh, definitely. Okay. There, there, are, there are Civil War battlefields all over the place. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there was a bunch of those. Like, when I was in school, we'd always take field trips to those. It was like, yeah, we're going to go to the battlefield. So, which I didn't, as a kid, uh, and this is indicative of our of the school system, like, I never, like, I knew what it was, but I never really yeah. understood the gravity oh, man. of Kind of hard to until you understand the gravity of life. That's a <laughs> snap. It's a really good point. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but it was always just this thing that was there. And then also, you know, when things are just there, you're like, well, it's always yeah. here. It's just, yeah. it's just here. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I grew up there. I went to college at George Mason in Northern Virginia, uh, Fairfax. And then after college, I moved out to LA back in like 2011. Yeah. Late 2011, right before, right before 20, like September 2011. Oh. Yeah. And so how did art find you? Like, how did you come to it? Um, like, it was kind of accidental. Um, so, because, like, when I, when I was younger, I, again, being, being from, like, a smaller-ish town, you're not yeah. introduced to a lot of art. Yeah. And, like, yeah. I, and my parents aren't artists, right? My, my dad was in the military, and my mom, her her father was military, and so was her siblings. She mm. wasn't, but that you know that mentality was there of like mm. go to school, study like math, science, whatever, get a degree. Like it was that was always what was told to me was like to do those yeah. things. Yeah, similar. Yeah, and uh, when I was in my at orientation, at freshman orientation in college, I met a guy who told me he was a dance major, and my response to him was. And they let you do that? Like, they mm. allowed you to major in dance? Like, it blew yeah. my mind. Yeah, that was I the bet. first time. That was my first introduction to, like, art as a profession. That, like, I had a choice in it. Um, and then I started just kind of doing things that I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, which is, like, I, I love, like, tumbling and doing. I was always an athlete. So I always was yeah, do you play sports in high school? I did. Yeah, I did. I played. I played football. I ran track, and then in the summers, I swam um, for a team. So, like, what what, always, what, uh, what events did you do in swimming? Oh, the the, the hundred IM, the Oof. fly, free, and back. Fly wasn't really great. Back was my stroke, and I was pretty good at the. I was okay at the IM. Dude, um, backstroke, yeah. good for you. That's the hard stroke. That, it that is. always got me. Yeah, somehow I I did well there, but. Um, but yeah, so as far as how I found art, it was just a slow, it was like every so often, every year or so, or every few months, like I would meet someone who was an artist mm. and I'd be very intrigued by their whole, like, just thing. It was like, oh, what is this thing that you're doing that isn't math, science, and history? And then it slowly kind of took over as like, this is what I would prefer to do. And where I were you at school? Remind me. George Mason. College? George Mason. George Mason. Cool. George Mason. Oh, University. amazing. Yeah. And uh, and so once I finished, um, like, by the time I had graduated, I had fully accepted that, like, I didn't want to work in an office. 
I just, What'd you I graduate need, with? Uh, I um, uh, public relations was my degree. Cool. I yeah, have a, I have a pre-law degree. What the fuck is pre-law? <laughs> be a great officer, a police yeah. officer. Yeah, they're really good at pre-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I have a fucking minority report. I'm a cog. <laughs> yeah, I studied at the at the time. Um, it was especially when I was about to graduate. That was when we had that big recession, like the housing market crashed. Mm. And a thing that I was aware of was that most companies, because they were downsizing, but the department that they would downsize first would be the public relations department. Because they were like, well, we could just have one guy do this. Mm. And so in my mind, it was, well, once the economy comes back and they're going to re like uh, reinvigorate those positions, the people who are left are going to move up and it's going to have there's going to be a vacancy that I can fill. That was my thought. I don't know how accurate it was. Yeah. I wasn't doing like a ton of research. I was just, it was kind of like asking around, like, but more than behold, most, more than yeah. most, I bet. But lo and behold, none of that fucking mattered. So <laughs> 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 I didn't work. I haven't worked a single day in, in, in the world of PR. Not a, like other than like, I guess for what I do for myself, yeah. you know, yeah. like how I exist and, and move mm. through LA. Like the things that I learned were helpful, but yeah, no, I haven't made a single penny. <laughs> all uh, right so you graduate and then what yeah so i graduated and then i i moved home for a couple of months to save some money and then i i got an apartment with some friends there was uh four of us we got a two-bedroom moved to la and just never looked back so you graduated college you moved back home so for me for example mm -hmm. um when I graduated, I like I think similarly, maybe a little different, but I always knew I was going to LA. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to get a, a full ride to college. And so I took it. And because in my back of my mind, I was like, I could act at age 60. Like there's mm. no expiration date on that. But yeah. to get fully supported education and sports is like once in a lifetime, actually. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, where you're being. Oh, no, like, for sure. All these, you know, educators and facilitators. So I, I I moved home for a few weeks and then came to L.A., but I always knew. So at what point were you like, I'm going to L.A. and I'm going to L.A. for X? Like, was it for stunts or stand up? Or? Nah. So when I like towards the end of my college career is when, like I said, that's when I realized that like art was an option. Yeah. And. Then when I realized that, and I, I like I did stand up a couple of times, um, but I was still doing a lot of like tumbling and gymnastics, and I knew two things. One, if I ever hoped to be in the entertainment industry, I had to go to L.A. Mm -hmm. And two, I wanted to be as far away from home as possible. <laughs> yeah. And. Yeah, and like LA, that's as far as you can get. Yeah, literally. Without, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. for me, um that was like the decision. That was that was part of the decision to go to LA. It was just everything in me was like anything that you can hope for in your life is going to happen in LA. Right? Even if it doesn't work out, if I stay here and I work in Northern Virginia, there's no chance. Like I don't mm -hmm. even have 
I won't even accidentally find my way into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just, I'm gonna, you know, you're a product of your environment. Humans, we're, we adapt. It's yeah. what we do, right? It's our Agreed. whole thing. So I just needed to be not there. And I had done, you know, little things that, and I, I had known some stunt guys, or uh, or I didn't know them, but I knew guys from Virginia that moved to LA and got into stunts. So I was like, it's possible to get on camera. Like it's mm-hmm. with, with, you know, so that's, yeah, that's when I, that's when I, yeah, I just made the decision and I picked a date because I had heard or read somewhere. They were like, if you want to make something happen, if you don't pick a date, you'll, it'll always be this thing that will happen in the future. Mm, so I agree. I yeah. Agree. So I just picked a date and I said, win, lose or draw, I go. Right. I love and, that. Dude. Yeah. And so I, uh, I had picked the date. We got an apartment, but we couldn't move in. It was like a week after the date that I had picked. And I was like, that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not going to be so hard on myself. And I'm like, no, yeah. I have to go out on the 13th, yeah. not the 23rd. Yeah. I was like, nah, it's cool. I'll wait. I'll wait a few days. Yeah. I call those loose targets nowadays. I'm like, yeah. September 8th, knowing it could be September 13th, but at least yeah. I have a, a date yeah. I'm aiming at. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. I tell a lot of people that, and it's the the ones that listen, uh, you I you see it, and then the ones that mm-hmm. don't, you're just like, ah. mm-hmm. like yeah. I have friends that still live in on the East Coast that want to come to LA. Me and too, dude. Funny. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. And dude, and I'm like, and I offer, I'm like, dude, I live alone. Come stay with me. I'll help you get on your feet. I've helped so many people get on their feet that like it's just. Now it's just like habit because mm. I know what it's like to like need help, but not know how to get it or where to get it from. Or I even how to ask. Uh, yeah. Right. So yeah. a thing that, um, a thing that's really important to me is I want to always be the friend that I always wish I had mm. in my life during certain moments. Mm. That's really lovely, dude. Yeah. And so that's, that's the way that I, that I try to think, and that helps me be more understanding and patient and and grateful um, to everything. So it's yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, moving to LA was fucking. How'd you how'd you get to this place? Because you're describing more of like a mindset or a spiritual place. Did you go through traditional modalities of therapy or? Because it sounds like, if I may, peel back Please. to even the gymnastics, yeah, like tumbling. Like, for me, when you said that, I got bucked. I was like, dude, I don't think I would have been secure enough in my masculinity or whatever, my yeah. humanness, to go tumble because of my perception of it. Oh. To, you know, and the fact that yeah. you're just like, yeah, like, and maybe you had been doing gymnastics your whole life and I didn't pick that no, up. No, 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 no. It's so, so fascinating to me. It sounds so like security, yeah. When... Because there are certain things in my life that I know that I want. Like, and once I know that I want something, nothing else matters. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. like, with tumbling, it was a thing that I had seen on, on the internet. There was this old video called Friday Night Madness where these guys were in a gym and they were just doing flips. And it was just a bunch of dudes. I think that's the thing. I know, gym, I think as a kid, maybe gymnastics was like a female thing. Mm-hmm. But as I got older and I saw what male gymnasts, one, looked like. Yeah. And two, let me turn this off. Uh, and no two, 
Um, yeah, like I saw what they looked like and I saw what they could do, and I was just like, there's no part of that that I don't want. Yeah, they're like, so they're, jacked. Oh they're my fucking, god. They're in such great shape. And yeah. they can do cool shit. Yeah. It's yeah. so or, rad. Like levers and things. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Man. And so I I found some friends and uh and so that's how I got into that world. But as far as like my mentality on things, it's I've always been very good at listening to people who come before me especially when they complain or are upset about things. And one of the things that like, like when I was a kid, one of the things that I heard a lot was it's like, Oh, you're so young. And if you only knew how young you were and what that means. Mm -hmm. And I, like I didn't and you can't, but I also knew that like, okay, well, once this is gone, apparently it's a bitch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, so in my youth, I very much was like, I'm young and I should fully take advantage of this, right? Mm -hmm. Like I should fully, so even in college, like I would sleepless nights, I'd go out and I was like, there's no other time in my life where I'm going to be able to stay up till five in the morning partying, go to class at 7 a.m. Yeah. And, and then absolutely. still do a whole, like it just doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't happen when you get older. Not that I, not that I know from experience because that's what everyone is telling me. Why yeah. would I not listen to them? Yeah. So when it, yeah, so the things that I wanted to do and like regret is a huge thing that I hear that people mm -hmm. like can't live because that's the worst, you know, being 70 and regretting that you never did the things that you wanted to in your life. So there's a version I there's actually a uh, I call it the three Travises. Uh this is how my mind operates most of the time when I come when it comes to me navigating through life. There's past Travis, present Travis, and future Travis. And the three of them work together to, like, help each other. So if I'm at a restaurant and I'm ordering food and I know that later tonight I'm going to be up late playing video games, smoking weed, I'm going to order extra for future Travis mm. because he is going to love that I've got calamari in the fridge. <laughs> right? That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I so like I'll do things like that and it and it helps. Uh recently actually I realized that it's not so much that like there are three Travises, but it's that like that helps me understand what I really want in my core. Mm. Right? Because mm -hmm. if I if I'm thinking about future Travis and what he would regret now, what he would regret is what I actually want to do. And yeah. the world and all my stuff in my head is what's telling me that I can or can't or should or shouldn't. Like, this is, so, as far as my career is concerned, so I've been doing stunts for the last 12 years, and I've had a blast. Like, it is one of the most exciting jobs that I could have ever hoped for. I get to travel the world, meet some of the coolest people, meet my heroes, and uh, and get paid really well. And it's, you know... I can't really put into words how much I have, have enjoyed being a stuntman for 12 years. But at the same time, it is, you're an athlete, right? Mm -hmm. And the reality mm -hmm. of being an athlete is you have, a, there's a, there's a limit. Yeah. There's I wanted to ask you about a shelf life. So this, yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's a day when your body betrays you, right? Not intentionally, 
half, half I mean, it's not really betraying because half of the time it's because you didn't take care of it. That's right? what I, I agree. Yeah, right. So I won't say I won't say it's betrayal because that makes it feel like you know, because I, I have agency over it. But it's just like it it deteriorated. It's a cruel, and it's honestly it's really cruel because the mm. the the older you get and the more experience you get, the better you get at doing things. That's but, right. Your mind is going, and your body is going. And you're <laughs> right. And I'm at, right now. I'm at this like sweet spot where I can perform at a level that is the same as people who are way more in shape than me. But just because I know all the tricks, mm. I know how to conserve energy. I can do a fight scene. Like I, I just finished a movie in London, and we were doing this fight scene, and every like everyone there was younger than me. And they were all in crazy shape. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be awful. But we would, do take, <laughs> we would do take after take after take, and they're just as winded as I am, mm. if not more. And I was like, mm. oh, this is nice. Because yeah. I, know, <laughs> I know what I'm doing now. But like, if I had what I have here and my 26-year-old body, mm. that would be disgusting. That would not be fair. <laughs> that would be so unfair. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, but with that, I I also realized that if I'm whatever I'm gonna wherever I'm gonna go next in my career, I have to start paving the way for that now. I can't wait until I'm too old. Yeah. I have to so that way by the time that like I I have to hang up my stuntman cape, I it's fine. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So. It's- Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So you almost yeah. see a, nowadays in like the UFC, you could tell fighters who are, you know, a few years away from aging out, so to speak, they're mm-hmm. starting to commentate and yeah. be on the shows more because they understand. Yeah. Well, they got to transition. You gotta, because the money's got, and especially if this is all you, you know, if it's all you know, yeah. right? That do you could... have, do you have aspirations to go second unit direct eventually? Like get up that, like what's the sort of corporate hierarchy structure like where would you go so stunt coordinator then yeah Yeah. so it goes yeah so you go from performer depending on what your skill set is um because you can go into choreographer like uh i do a lot of fights so for someone like me my next typical path would go from performer to choreographer to assistant coordinator to coordinator Mm -hmm. then to hopefully second unit director and now um stuntmen are directing as with like chad and like you know with john wick and jj perry with day shift so Mm. they're giving stuntmen the the reins which is great because i mean who better to fucking agree than guys who've lived it their whole life i agree and my buddy's mentor is uh garrett warren oh yeah and like that guy's sequences are amazing yeah crazy right crazy so um but for me the thing is like and i and i talk to a lot of young performers anytime i talk to a young performer the first question i ask them is what do you want to do when you can't perform anymore Hmm. right it's a question that i wish i was asked when i was 24 because when I came in, all I my only focus was performing. I that's all I ever thought. It was like, oh, I'll just yeah, perform. Sense. I never yeah. thought about what came after, because at that time that just wasn't. It was just so far away. And had I been asked that question then, and I could have maybe been better prepared for it. But there's a hard thing in the stunt community um, where 
Because there are people who want to like do stunts to help their acting career or to like get in front of people and they're not really in it and so because of that anytime that you mention you want to do anything that's not stunts you get looked at like oh well you're not a stunt guy like a pariah yeah yeah and it's it's hard it's really it's really hard because i remember because i've always like comedy has always been in the back of my mind it's never left me i've been writing I've got pages and notebooks and notes on my phone for years. You've always been so funny and had such a good comedic presence as long as I've known you, so it makes sense. Yeah, and thank you. And uh, But because I was like, well, if I entertain this, then I won't be seen as a real stuntman, and I can't then do this thing. Mm. So I kind of pushed it all away and just hyper-focused on stunts, which – um, I mean, paid dividends, you know, I've had a yeah. wonderful career. I've doubled Idris Elba, Will Smith, Jamie Foxx. Like I've met, wow. I've met Denzel Washington. I've met all of my, almost all of my heroes, uh, working in this, in this. Did business. you, did you double Chadwick? I did. I also doubled Chadwick. Uh, Cause I'm looking at your movies here. I have yeah. notes for everybody. And oh, yeah. I was just like, Oh, 21 bridges. I'm like, I love that movie and that movie. It's amazing, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got to meet like Seth MacFarlane. Although I was yeah. in a Godzilla costume, so I don't. <laughs> so it's like kind of got to meet him, but like, <laughs> um, but no, it, it, it's uh, like again, I I can't speak enough on how much I loved it. But there's a piece of me that that wishes I had done more. But then mm. I have to remember that I did what I thought was best with what information I had. Yeah. <laughs> can't get down on myself for that it's easy to and i and i i kind of will at times i have to talk myself out of it be like no no, no, mm-hmm. no it's okay also now that i'm transitioning into comedy which is a crazy fucking mm-hmm. like man that that whole journey is has been wild yeah uh, <laughs> absolutely ahead. no i bet i'm just thinking because I follow comedy and comedians so much, and I want to get to that, but I want to oh, yeah. go through some of these and just, well, I want to, I'm really curious, like, you said at 24, things started shifting. So was there a, a gap where just things weren't happening, or did you get to LA and have one of those stories where it was kind of just like, mm. oh shit, this happened, this happened. Like, when was your first big moment, like, holy shit, I'm on the set of fill in the blank oh. sort of thing? Oh, my first big moment. It was, well, there's two. So there's like a mini one, and then there's like the big one. So yeah, the sure. mini, so the mini one was I was on the first. I was in the first purge. Oh uh, shit! The yeah. Ethan Hawke one. Yeah. So they had security camera footage that they were doing, and so they brought in guys just to do. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's just, it's, I think at the beginning of the movie where they flash through a bunch of different security cameras. And so I went in and did that. But I remember I got the call and I had only been doing like YouTube stuff. And I think the most I'd ever made was like a hundred bucks. Wow. And this guy calls me and he's like, hey man, uh, are you busy? Can you come in right now and help us film this stuff? I can only mm-hmm. pay you like 500 bucks. Um, I hope that's okay. 
and you're like, like, like you play right cool. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you play it cool. And you're like, oh yeah, man, no problem. I absolutely, I'll be there. Hang up the phone. I'm like, I'm about to make five hundred dollars. Are <laughs> yeah. you fucking kidding me? That's my whole rent. That's yeah, all of yeah. my rent in a yeah. day. Yeah. My, bro, my I was like, fuck yeah, I'll be right there. And I hustled over, and it was like this weird, like trying to figure it out. There was a scene I remember where I got dumped by like four dudes. And I didn't know what I was doing, so like, just put a bunch of pads on. They're just going to hit you. And then one of the dudes just, like, clocked me in the face. I almost blacked out. It was, like, this whole fucking crazy thing. And then I got a paycheck for $500. And I was like, well, this is amazing. <laughs> this is crazy. I, this is my whole month. This is yeah. a month of work that I needed to do that's now done. And I can I now, like, yeah. So. So that was that was big, and then uh, wait before you get into the next one, let me yeah. share a story about that movie because I oh, have a story. Do you? Yeah, I auditioned. So this is like my first big audition, the first audition. I'm in the waiting room, and I'm like, I fucking recognize that guy and that guy and that guy. It was yeah. like one of the villains. Yeah. Um, it might have even been the main villain. Like I don't know how I got this right, yeah. and so the original audition. The original character, he's dressed in a pig outfit. Like, mm-hmm. imagine, like, pink, like, bikini top, pig nose, and pigtails, right? <laughs> and it's like a two-page monologue. Like, I've never seen an audition like this. It's oh. straight, single-space speech. It's like the guy who shows up yeah. at Ethan's house, and he's yeah, like, yeah, 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 But it's his whole, that's how they auditioned him, was just one big speech. And so it's like a really frenetic day. I'm not checking my emails. And I get to the audition and I bought the kit. I bought the hair, the pigtails, the nose. <laughs> I have a pink tank top on. I'm wearing pink shorts in the room, in the audition room. And I'm looking around and I'm noticing no one else is dressed like me. Like, <laughs> and not just they're not dressed like me, they're dressed different. They're dressed in suits or whatever he ends up wearing in the actual movie. It's more that ballpark. And I'm like looking at my phone and my manager was like, uh, like they changed the, this, the last minute, but I was like two or three hours ago. I just fucking missed it. It had changed the wardrobe to a suit instead of the pig outfit. So now I'm like, I'm fucking here. I'm doing it. Right. But I'm so in my, like I'm in my throat. Because I, this is also so long ago, I, I yeah. didn't belong in this audition room. I was yeah, not I was ready saying, I was like, for You it. must have been so green. Yeah, I was not ready for it. I just had a good, <laughs> I had a good manager for like two weeks yeah. sort of thing. And uh, I get in and I remember I, the casting director was in this really long rectangle room. I'd never seen anything like it. He was like beyond like down a hallway, but it was just him in this room and there was like TV monitors in front of him. So I kind of had to be like to make eye contact. And I walked in and he was also the most brutal, right? Like I'm not blaming him. It was just like probably a long fucking day, whatever. But he was just like, yep. What's up? Okay. Let's do. Oh, he's like, "Uh, let me stop you. He's like, are you, cause I'm putting on the pig nose and shit. And he's like, uh, what are you doing? Didn't you get the email? And I was like, no. Nah. And he's like, okay, well, you don't need any of that. And so, you know, that I'm, again, so green. That really throws me. Yeah. And so I'm in my head so bad. I just start the audition as, you know, he's like, go. 
And two lines in to this, like, I think it's like a two and a half minute speech. I'm already just like that feeling, that white hot awareness feeling yeah. where you're just like, God damn yeah. it. I'm uh, so, so I didn't get the call back, but that is one of my favorite audition horror stories. Oh, and it was about the purge, yeah. which was named something else at the time. But uh, yeah, so I just wanted to share that one with you. Oh, dude, that's amazing. Though. But that's yeah. how it, like, sometimes that's just fucking how it goes. Yeah, that's no, absolutely. I've yeah. had some bad ones. All right, so that was your that was I get why that makes total sense. I've had that moment with acting. So yeah. now like the big one I I guess in a sense for yeah. so Starstruck. Yeah, so the big the first big one that I can remember was um Batman vs Superman, I think. Oh, Zack Snyder. And, yeah, I think that wait, was that before Hold on. Let me let me check my let me check my IMDb so I can check the dates on which one came first. Um, I'm pretty sure that it was that one. Um, it was Batman vs Superman. Um, but I mean that's the first one that like sits with me. Just also because I'm a big fan as well. I'm a huge yeah. nerd. I'm a huge nerd. So mm. like I was like I'm doing DC comic book shit. This is this is crazy. Dude, uh, that movie is. I mean, I I love Zack Snyder's Batman universe personally. I am. I'm, it's okay. I, I love it. Oh, I, no. I look. No, no, no. It wasn't that. There was one before that. There was one before. Which that. one? Uh, it was Planet of the Apes. Oh, which one yeah. was? was the that second the, one. The, the second, second one. one. Dawn of Planet of the Apes. Dude, those movies are good. I just oh, rewatched yeah, them like six months ago or so yeah oh no they're so good andy circus is a genius and uh, yeah yeah he and that really first, is especially that first one with uh with james franco that's yeah man i remember yeah. watching that theater and just getting chills in the theater it was so good yeah yeah um, it's one of the few that like outperforms the original oh yeah know, and, the, and remakes yes yes um so and, I, and i'll explain why i got those two confused there's a there's a, a, a connecting factor in those, so, uh, so Donald Planet of the Apes, I was, you know, getting by, right? I was getting yeah. by, and I just, in my mind, I was like, I just don't have to call my parents and ask for like money, you know what I mean? Like for rent, mm -hmm. I want to be able mm -hmm. to, you know, you're my first time, like, I'm out of Virginia, and I remember I was struggling, and I, I was getting to a point where I was like. Uh, if I don't do something soon, like I'm gonna, like I'm not, I'm not gonna have money to rent. Were Were they supportive? Very. My parents have always been very supportive. My my. Amazing. Yeah, I got uh, lucky in how they looked at. They both realized that we didn't ask to be here, so mm. they can't. Like we, at the very least, they can do is let us do whatever we want. Mm. You know That's I mean? brilliant. Yeah. Like Kudos, uh, Parkers. Yeah, they my my parents were really 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 great in that, and so anything that I wanted to do, it was just like just their whole thing was just like it, just do it well. Mm. That's it. Like as long as you have your 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 ducks in a row, whatever it is you want to do, do. So um, I I remember I'd flown home to visit them, and while I was there, one of my friends who is one of the best stuntmen in the business uh he goes by spider oh. is just he's like a man if he 
if if he wasn't so he gets really weird with dialogue, but if it wasn't for that, he'd be one of the greatest actors on the planet because yeah. watching him drop into character is like it's full hundred percent like six year old level immersion where it's mm. like so he was on Planet of the Apes playing one of the, uh he was doubling Koba who was the main villain ape and then we yep. just do random ape stuff. But like he So you guys are in tracking suits or yeah. How, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They were in uh they were had gray suits on with the dots and they would just do everything on set and then they would just layer it in. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guys yeah, the guys that did the CGI for that are so good. Also, funny story, recently I just watched uh Chimp Empire on Netflix. Uh, I've seen it. I haven't watched it. But yeah. The title, Which, yeah. One, I'm upset it's not called Chimpire. I felt that was a great <laughs> portmanteau that they missed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right? I was like, why would you not call it Chimpire? This is so ridiculous. <laughs> That's such a great name. I'm so mad. And, uh, <laughs> but I remember I was watching it, and while I was watching this documentary, I was like, man, the guys on Planet of the Apes did a much better job at CGI than I thought. Because the apes in this documentary look just like those, but Whoa. it's just apes look so close to us that they they just always to me they just always look fake. Mm. Like when they're on TV, it's like no, that's not real. But it I is. know, dude. Yeah, they're it's such a weird a thing. Trip. So, so like with Planet of the Apes, like when I was like, oh, I mean, it's good, but it still looks a bit CGI. It doesn't. It's just me. Mm-mm. It's just great. <laughs> like the CGI is just yeah. Dude, I just saw gorillas and apes and monkeys at the Chicago Zoo for the first time because they have all yeah. of them, and I, I, I was like, "Are these fuckers real? Right? Like, what is this? It's like it, it's, it's a like this trip. Could be a dude in a costume. Like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, they're so big. It's yeah. wild. Um, okay, so you're but, so anyway, so you're I you're scrapping. I, I'm scrapping. I go home to visit my family. Spider calls me. He's like, "Hey, we're in Louisiana shooting this movie." Why don't you, I was like, you're not doing anything in LA. Just come stay in my hotel with me and then we'll just see about getting you on the film. And that's a good friend, a great friend, a great friend. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's better than what I'm doing now. Like I, I would go back to LA and I don't have a plan there either. So why not? So I flew down, I stayed with him for like a month. Uh, like a while like he was in a hotel room and then they got an apartment and then I just stayed in the apartment and then I got on I got like three weeks on and it paid like I was like cool and this was at like a stunt rate so I was making uh what was it back then it was like two grand a week or some shit you know which yeah which was so like three weeks of that I was like oh my god this is (laughs) the life yeah but being on those sets because there was what Gary Oldman was on that film and seeing Andy Serkis and all these other people and hanging out with these actors it was a thing that I was instantly I I was was in I was like if I had any questions about wanting to do this it's gone Mm. and the reason why I was trying to remember if it was this or Batman vs Superman first because Spider called me because he was on Batman vs Superman and he was uh and it was very he knew the coordinator very well and put me in and also got me on that film uh like a year or so later so i couldn't remember what the order was now but yeah so it was it was apes and then superman so those were that was like my first time really being like in it and then it just 
it just kept, you know, it just kept going. Yeah. Start, it starts slow, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're just you're working more than you're not. Yep. And yeah, it's man. great. It's great are, feeling. Are there, are there? I mean, of course there are, but I want to hear it from your perspective, like specialities, like because mm-hmm. you're you're not necessarily going to be stunt driving and the fight guy and the yeah. high rise guy. So, I don't know. In the in the states, because it's slightly different in the UK, but so this, so for us, it's uh, yeah. Typically, you're a specialist. There are like fight specialists, driving specialists. Um, but you, ideally, it's you want to know as much about everything as you can, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. But to be an, I mean, but to be an expert takes years, yeah. right? To be an ex, like the fight guys, they've been. I mean, they were martial artists long before they were stuntmen. You know, they have a lifetime yeah. of of martial arts under their belt or boxing or whatever, whatever it may be. Same thing with the drivers. Like, the driving guys have been doing it since they were, you know, kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, it, it you know, I, and I know for me, like, I never wanted to drive. It was never my, I hated it. I've done it a few times. I've done a couple of sequences where I, I, I've done little driving things here and there. And I always hate it. I just don't, I don't find enjoyment in it. And most of my life has been trying to just do the things that I enjoy. If I hate doing it, why am I doing it kind of yeah. deal? Yeah. You know, especially if I have a choice in the matter. Uh, you know, there are certain things in life you got to do, right? Like you got to pay taxes, you got to do certain things. So, but with that, I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking, uh, I, I never, I, I could probably have a much more lucrative and definitely a longer career if I got mm. into driving but I would just be unhappy. Mm. And that to me, no, no, no amount of money. I've seen people unhappy in their careers and live a life of hate, like of hating their job, but still doing it. I've seen people do that. And I just knew I was never going to be that guy. Dude, kudos, kudos, bro. When I first moved to LA, and this is all love to these guys, you know, we only know what we know at the time, but yeah, I had friends who literally were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, mm. what, do you, what do you think? What are you thinking? Yeah. You're actually doing it? Because I talked about it in college, yeah. not profusely, but if the future came up. Yeah, like you've you mentioned. Know, yeah, I'd be like, yeah. I'm going to LA to act. And people would be like, yeah, 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 right. And then I did it, and my friends were a couple, not everybody. I had some really ultra supportive friends, but they're like, "What the fuck?" And now, <laughs> yeah, they're the same guys who are like, "God damn, I'm so proud of you!" Like you, you did went it, after man. what you went after what you wanted. Yeah, you know, instead of life kind of taking you, you went to it. Here's a, I have a question. I have a question mm. for you because this is the thing that I find has it's it's tough but also like it's gonna sound like champagne problems but i'm just gonna come out so for me i remember when i when i was moving out to la and usually this has happened this is actually happening now with comedy but i it's nice because i have a lot of people supporting me but sometimes i have people who are like too supportive they're like oh you're gonna be the best and i'm sure you're Mm -hmm. already amazing Mm-hmm. And it puts a lot of pressure mm-hmm. to be like, oh, well, everybody is telling me that I'm going to be amazing. So now I have to be. Mm-hmm. And p- 
part of me is like, I wish more people told me I was going to fail so I could just be like, yeah, fuck you. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing because, you know, especially with my transition into comedy now, there's been mm-hmm. so many people like, oh, you're hilarious and you're going to be so great. And I'm like, but stand up is so very different than being funny in a r- and just mm-hmm. like with your friends. It's so different. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of, like, fear. And, I mean, none of it's going to stop me. I'm going to do it regardless. But it's just a thing that I've noticed. Did, did, you, did, you, did you ever feel any of that? Did that ever happen with you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And what I found for me is I was like, if we want to use your three Travis's example to sort yeah. of frame this, it, 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 I would be split between two Sean's, mm. which is they're telling me presently you're going to do great. I immediately don't hear them for what they're saying and jump to the future. Yeah. Instead of being like, "Oh, they're trying they're trying to compliment me in the best way they can. This mm. is the best of their ability." Yeah. And by me jumping to the future, not only did I fuck you to them, I actually fucked you to me because they're actually just showing me a little bit of love. And um that's what I had to come to. Yeah. You know, cuz I would feel the same thing, and also, it took me a a, a while to realize like that's a fucking droplet of a droplet of a droplet of a droplet. Like the percentage of people in our lives versus the audiences we're trying to impact. Yeah, you know, like I'm I'm like really thankful for those supporters, and especially because it can be vulnerable to share, especially in the community I'm from. Like for another man to tell me like. Hey, like you're fucking doing it, man. Like yeah, they yeah, had to reveal yeah. something and I sort of like took the onus off myself in those moments cuz I learned maybe a year or two ago and you know, I I think you know this but I've been doing hardcore therapy, family mm-hmm. therapy, group therapy. I'm on a men's team. I needed to. Yeah. You know what I learned is like the comp when you when you receive a compliment in a way it's not about you. Because what I used to do when someone complimented me, I'd go like this, like, oh, thanks. And my therapist was like, okay, Sean, compliment me because you're really good at it. I know you you get um, some satisfaction to compliment. Yeah. And I was like, oh, hey, Suzanne, you're an amazing therapist. And she went, oh, thanks. And then she's like, okay, let's do it again. I'm like, hey, Suzanne, you're an amazing therapist. And she's like, thank you. I work really hard at it. Appreciate you. Right. And immediately I felt just like, oh, I got acknowledged in that. Yeah. And it didn't feel like bragging, you know, which was my worry always is if I acknowledged a compliment, I'm being braggy. That and that's it. That's the nail on the head. Yeah. I feel that deeply. The like mm. not wanting to be overly. It stems from uh, when I was a kid, I had my best friend once called me a show off. Right. And mm. I was, uh, he was my best friend and I was, what eight nine years old and i just remember i felt that to my like i can feel how i felt then right now yeah dude, and that affected you i'm sorry that happened dude. yeah and ever since then you know and also like any time that i would do things that i would you know that i would want to do just because i would want to do them it was a lot of like, well, you can't do that here, and you can't do that now, and mm-hmm. you can't do that. Mm-hmm. It's like you got to do the things you're supposed to do. And so it just, there's a part of me that is like trying to be myself, but in a way that the world accepts it. 
Mm-hmm. Right? There's a part of me that's there. And I'm really trying to step out of it and, and understanding that, like, I can just be me and fuck everything else. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's not what this, this is just what I'm realizing, right? Yeah. Um, it's like, it's not the world, it's my world. Yeah. So there is no separation because, I mean, Outside literally, of- literally, it's your world and literally, it's my yeah. world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is almost no the world it's a weird concept but yeah I have I a, uh, it's funny because i actually like i was thinking about this one day because uh, i smoke a lot of weed alone so i just mm-hmm. think for i yeah. just sit here and just think for hours um <laughs> but uh one of the things that i thought about was a it's like the multiverse theory but mm-hmm. the theory is that every person exists within their own universe and those are the right. parallel universes. It's like, yeah, mm. you have yours, I have mine, because how I perceive it and interpret it. I mean, you know, and most of, also most everything about the world that we live in outside yeah. of, like, scientific, like, like law is yeah. subjective. Yeah. Which means it doesn't really exist. So Yeah, it's a trip. Yeah. I think yeah. about the multiverse in a, a, I love that we're bringing this up, dude, because we can go as deep as you want, baby. Yeah, uh, I think about it as in terms of our soul is broader than our body. Mm. So like our soul's not within us. We're within our soul. Mm. And uh, imagine it like a sphere. And so, uh, you know, in the Marvel universe, like the uh, multiverse is parallel because they have to kind of show it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's a sphere of decision making that's running at a, a trillion second you know clip like it's the highest processing speed in the world the universe literally so i move my arm right now all the other possibilities disappeared from that sphere in that one millisecond but there's constantly all these options of universes around us oh yeah and so it's just like whatever way we go we leave the other so to speak and it just keeps reshaping in this sphere of choice and that's kind of how i look at like they're all possible right here. I could move straight. You could do, yeah, I could do literally anything in this yeah. moment, and it's all yeah. possible until it's real. That's right. Until yeah. it's realized. Until yeah. It, until it, or until it happens to us. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is why I. That's actually part of the reason. Like that kind of mentality is why, or has helped me to let go of my past, and like especially if I have anything that I'm like, well. If I had done this and then this is because there are uh, every moment the entire universe exists simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm. And with and as you were saying, with your sphere of like anything can happen. If I'm going to try and guess what could have happened if I made one different decision, there are also an infinite amount of other things that could have also happened differently. That's so right. like I can't, I can't pretend to be like if i had done this this would have happened i don't know Mm. that i can't know that the only thing i can know is what did happen Mm -hmm. and so i just have to take what happened and then use that to move forward and not sit with the like what could have or possibly did um a thing that i've been uh uh working with a lot is i realize that i have a I, i think like a i think a lot of people probably feel this way as well but a desire to feel special Right, yeah. like I want, but the my understanding of the universe is such that I know that I'm not, 
right? But I know that like we're one, like in anything that I can feel, somebody has already felt, right? It mm-hmm. like, and and also on the larger scale, in the eyes of the universe, none of it matters, right? Mm-hmm. In the eyes of the entirety of the universe, none of this matters. So with those two opposing, or that, or it all matters. Well, this is well, this is the thing. This is what what I what I have come to realize very recently is that two things. One, um, the only things that matter are what I choose, and it's because like I can play video games all day, and they can have a great time. I can mm-hmm. go do a set and kill it at an open mic and have equally as great of a time. But they're so different that the only mm. reason I can enjoy them equally is because I'm deciding to enjoy them, mm. right? All the things that I enjoy in my life, I enjoy them because I enjoy them. There's nothing like has mm. nothing to do with them inherently. It's nothing to do with mm. they are inherently. Because somebody could sit in front of a PlayStation and yeah. just hate it, yeah, just totally. f- fucking. But I don't. Mm-hmm. So you know that allows me to give meaning to anything i can do a rubik's cube for six hours and not feel like i wasted my life because it meant something to me and that's all that really matters i love that i love this conversation because i do think about this and what helped me sort of articulate because i have to bring myself to awareness before i can act and then if you Mm -hmm. don't act and you have awareness that's called madness because you're aware, but you're not moving. And so you got to move once you get uh, get the awareness. And so what I realized, because I'm like, dude, it's annoying sometimes. I'm like, people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, truthfully, in the last two years, I've been paid professionally to direct, write, produce, and act on different projects, not the yeah. same one. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm a filmmaker. I'm, you know, I'm this yeah. and that. And what... And I, I'm not ashamed of it anymore. Sometimes, you know, it's still a little tricky to say, but I'm just like, I know what each of those do for me. Yeah. Like acting. I know why I like it. Specifically yeah. writing. So like acting, that's catharsis. It's I'm being rewarded because it's a reward system. Great take, right? We're using yeah. that take. That's inherently a reward for feelings I wasn't allowed to utilize as a child. And so, like, I know that's that writing is me unadulterated. Like, that's my thoughts on the page. And if I'm collaborating, then it's our thoughts. Yeah. If I'm producing, that's my OCD managerial, like, leadership capacity. Directors, like, visionary. Like, ooh, this feels. And that, being aware of those things helps me lean into them further. Yeah. So, I wonder if maybe when you're considering, like, stunt and stand up, if you know why you like them specifically or uh, dissimilarly, then that might even help you uh, stand into those choices even further. Because I think it's important that you break this old school paradigm. I'm not at the sacrifice of your career or anything, but like it's bullshit that you couldn't do something else that you passionately love. Yeah, it's, it is. And it's funny because it's not like, it's, it's also like not just in the stunt community. Also, like most of Hollywood considers stuntmen just like dumb. Yeah, I was gonna ask. Jobs. Do you think you guys should have um, like an Oscars? Because I do. Oh, like a, well, or something, something yeah, similar. Far, so, I mean, as far as the Oscars is concerned, I feel two ways about it. One, I don't really care about the Oscars. 
right? Same. I, yeah. Just like fill right. in the blank, I just, guess. Yeah, like, yeah. As, like as a whole. Some sort of acknowledgement, goddamn. Yeah, it is because, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. I'm like, there are people who, like, Jim Carrey doesn't have an Oscar and it's a travesty, right? Like, I've yeah. never seen Jim Carrey <laughs> not kill a role. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he is Stanley Ipkiss. He is, yeah. you know what I mean? I just like, watched Sonic the Hedgehog, like, flippantly, bro. and I was blown away. He's I'm so, like, he's, <laughs> the fact that he just doesn't even have, like, a, like any Oscar for, like, I, so, yeah. like, I give a shit less about the Oscars yeah. right now. However, the thing about it is, it's like, one, well, if you're going to recognize people, you should recognize everyone. Mm. right like why not try? yeah it is so weird yeah it's like you you give like best score that like the the categories that they have especially the smaller ones that they give yeah. to i'm just like yeah. what the f- yeah yeah <laughs> okay yeah. cool let's yeah. i guess that's fine um but the other thing is is that i know from being you know on big films when department heads or people who have oscars they also command more respect as mm. a whole. They get more, they get like their, what they say happens more often just because it's like, well, they've got an Oscar. So like, you mm. kind of can't tell them. Right. Mm. And <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that should also be within the stunt community. Like we should yeah. be able to be like, no, we're, you know, Oscar award winning stunt. I, I don't mean like the whole, st- I just meant like the yeah. coordinator should get one or the choreographer should get one. Totally. Like, um, think about Mad Max, Fury Road. I'm dude, like, here's what the here's, fuck? Stunts as a whole, again, we like do not get enough credit because a few things. One, what was the last billion dollar film that had zero stunts in it? It's a trick question because there are none. <laughs> there are none. There are none. There are wow. none. So wow, even monetar- so even monetarily, it's like, what are you? Mm. You need us, yeah. And then uh, additionally, um, we are the only department on in in a production that has to work with every other department, mm. right? Set deck and costumes do not need to talk ever. However. As the stunt department, I need to talk to costumes and wardrobe. I need to talk to set deck. I need to talk to lighting. I need to talk to literally everybody because what we are doing involves everyone. Wow. And, I never right? thought about that. You're so right, obviously. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, I think also, I think we're underpaid. You know, people are like, oh, but you make great money. I'm like, yes, but how many jobs are there? where every time you do your job it means you can do it for less time yeah yeah do you guys have a disability of any kind when you retire or is there in that in the uh, pension I mean, at we're, all we're sag so it's okay it's the, it's the sag shit. same shit really? same shit yeah yeah wow. but like i you know i look at these movies and there are there are some you know great action films that have great actors and actresses in them but honestly they're they're replaceable the action isn't yeah Right, and yet I don't see stunt coordinators making half a million or a million dollars on on a film, or like the lead double mm. is you know like the lead double in a main action film may be on camera more than the actor is, and yet the wow. actor is making five million, and the lead double will make maybe a hundred or twenty thousand, yeah. right? Which again, yeah. I am not saying we do not make good money. I have been afforded things in my life that I could not have dreamed of. I have a very comfortable life and I am very happy. 
However, it doesn't mean things can't get better. No, all, it doesn't mean that they shouldn't. All tides rise all ships or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, right? Yeah, so, seriously. I um, agree. Um, but, you know, it is also the way that we're treated. It, it also feels like we'd be the first to go if mm-hmm. things happen. They'd be like, all right, well, if you guys want to cause this much of a fuss. I think a lot of people in the stock community feel that way, that, like, if we, if we make too many waves, they'll take us out of the water. Right? That yeah. sucks. But I know but then, mean, yeah. yeah, but then their water would have no waves, and that shit's boring. Yeah, right? 100%. <laughs> like, it's cool if you want to go fishing, but if you want to go wakeboarding, it's boring as fuck. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have to make waves to fucking... So, um, but yeah, so that's how I feel about stunts and the Oscars and... And oh yeah, that, there was a greater point that I was making was with that. So because of how we're looked at and how we're kind of not seen as like integral, um, mm-hmm. if we want to transition out, most of the time it's like no no no, you just do this, just do your stunt thing, just go, just do that. Like it, you know, the line that the people before me have made to go into secondary directing and now directing is wonderful for people who want to do that. But not every stunt performer gets in it with dreams of being a director, right? Some performers get in with just dreams of being on camera. And it's like, you know, you'll let a musician, you know, you'll give him an acting role, right? Mm -hmm. And be like, oh, it's fine because he's got fans and da, 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 but then he's like trash. Mm -hmm. But then you have a stunt performer who is a a talented actor and could do the role, but you're like, no, 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 no. Like, there should be a, like... There should be way more stunt performers who are also actors and taken seriously than there are. They're like, they're, like the last one was Jackie Chan. Wow, wow, right? that's crazy to think about. Yeah, like what was like when was the last time there was someone who who came up as a stuntman and then became an actor and then became like a world-renowned actor? No one, Jackie Chan, I, I guess. You know wow. what I mean? Like I like wow. again. There may be somebody watching this who's like, you're forgetting about Steven. I'm like, okay, I don't. <laughs> sure. yeah. but, but still, the point is, yeah. is that, like, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not it's not easily, like, me pulling mm-hmm. Jackie Chan, that's easy. Because it's like, of course everybody knows that. Yeah. Like, you know that, you know, he got punched in the face by Bruce Lee when he was a stuntman. And it's like, oh, did Bruce Lee transfer his energy into Jackie with his fist? <laughs> Maybe. <Yeah>. Like, um, <laughs> so... But what I would love to have happen is if I can do this, if I can do what I'm doing and I can do it so well that the whole industry is like, we, there's a whole area that we haven't been looking at the right way. And now we should, now we should look at it. Yeah. I would love, I would love for that to happen, but it requires a, a level of success that I also am aware of the level of work that requires to get Mm -hmm. there. And also a bit of luck, you know, Um, but it's just, it's definitely daunting and it's terrifying and, you know, all the things, but much like everything else in my life, you know, and like, you know, if I look at future Travis, if I don't at least try, I'll regret for the rest of my life. If I don't at least put my best foot forward. And it's hard because I'm very much like, oh, now that I'm doing this. I, I'm not going to be doing stunts as much. And I know that. And my, my income is going to take a hit. My reputation is going to take a hit. Like, all these things are going to, like, it's going to happen. And I'm aware of it. 
but I would rather I'd rather die on my shield than than cower behind the line. You know what I mean? I absolutely do. Yeah. So Dude, that's amazing. Really well said, man. Really well said. Yeah, it's uh it's it's such a, a journey. It's such a it journey, is. right? It is. It is it is it is tough. And like cuz you cuz so when you started, you started acting and then you were doing comedy cuz I know I saw you mm. do your improv which mm-hmm. was amazing. I've still oh, to thanks, this, still brother. to this day like some of my favorite like comedic things that I've seen or the stuff that you guys have done. It just, I was like, that's so, it's so good. It was so good. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. Um, so like, as you're going through this, so what was your, what was your path? And then mm-hmm. what are the things that scare you the most about what's in front of you? Oh, great question. Um, so yeah, I moved to LA when I was 21 in 2008. I probably similar time as you, the crash and, yeah. The strike and all that. I didn't know anything. But, I mean, literally, I didn't know anybody. Just my roommate, he came from, uh, who was in the improv team, Harris. Amazing guy, still known to this day. Um, I just knew I'd work really hard. Yeah. And so, I, we found a school. We found a school, you know, kind of leapfrog in the first six months. Then I found this school called Playhouse West in North Hollywood. And I just became obsessed. Um, Like in the the way the class was set up, you get two classes a week, but whatever level you're at, beginner, intermediate, or advanced, you can audit the rest of those classes at the school for free. Oh. There were plenty. So you could do any beginning. And if you're an intermediate, you can do any beginning and intermediate. And what would happen, it was a very actionable class, meaning – it wasn't always scene work. Sometimes it was like particularizations or exercises that you could just show up and do if you are competent enough. Uh-huh. And so you could get a lot of work in. And, uh, you know, the typical student would go for like three hours a day. Some days I was doing 12 hours of class. Wow. And just like, I, again, I didn't know. How, I felt like I was talented, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But I didn't know. Yeah. And I just. I just was like, I know I can work hard. Yeah. Because my, I got really lucky. Holly Gagne, my first teacher who worked a ton. That was the other thing. All these teachers had or were working and uh, not in like casual ways. Like Mark Pellegrino was on it and, uh, in the roster of teachers at the time. And he was like the first person I saw become a series regular on two shows at the same time. Whoa. And I was like, God damn. And he was in like Big Lebowski, Mulholland Drive, like just an amazing resource and just a really cool guy. And uh, Holly, back to Holly, but she was like, uh, she did this beautiful little exercise in class. She turned to our beginning class and she said, how many of you played sports in high school? And let's say 75% of the class raised their hand. And she's like popcorning around like, how many hours a week did you practice and play? And it was like, oh. God, like 15, 20 hours. She's yeah. like, 20, 15, 22, right? All right, put your hands down. Now raise your hands if you played in college. And like three people raised their hands, me and my buddy and one other guy. And she's like, similar question, right? And he answered. And she goes, okay, 
Now, did anybody plan to go pro in those? And no one raised their hand on this, on this third question. And so she just turned to us and goes, you expect to go pro in acting, only working out six hours a week? Wow. And that's how she started class. And I never forgot it. You know, never forgot you it. know what's really funny is that mm. I had a very sim, like with comedy. So, because I'd been writing for years. And one day, like a, almost a year ago now, I said to myself, I was like, when you were when you were training to become a stuntman, you were at the gym every day mm. for hours. And you didn't even think about it. You just did it. You just showed up every day, no questions asked. If you want to do comedy and you want it to be real, if you don't put in that same amount of effort, then you don't want it. And so mm. I said, I, I found this place called The Fourth Wall. It's in NoHo. It's great because it's slotted. So you sign up online. You know exactly when you're going. There, it's hours. Love that. Yeah, and it's an hour chunk. So like, it's like so from like four to five, you go in. You know you're gonna get five minutes, and then you're there for an hour, and then you can plan your day around doing sets. So I was like, yeah. So I was like, you know this resource exists. If you cannot do open mic every single day, you do not want it bad enough, and you need to give up because you're wasting energy. For you, you're wasting time. You're wasting energy. I was like, you have to figure out what you want. Is this it or not? And so I, uh, so I went every single day for like three weeks, and then I left for London for seven months on a job. I came back and did doing it. I did it again every day, and then I had my first paid show like a couple months in, and it was one of the most exhilarating moments. And I knew I was like, "This is it." Congrats, brother. That's, That's I'm, amazing. Yeah, I, I like know. And man, there's nothing more, like I have more fun with than coming up with material and figuring it out. I'm still working on my onstage, you know, because it's different. Like when the camera's rolling, it's that I'm that's home now. But being mm-hmm. on stage with a mic is very different. So mm-hmm. I'm 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 learning what I what I've discovered is I'm learning how to relax. Uh, I was I'm a friend of mine. Um, his name's Logic. He's a rapper. You may have heard of him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Amazing so we, yeah, Logic. he's he's one of the coolest. Uh, we met just before COVID. We gamed he seems all, it. He seems yeah. it. Yeah, and then we gamed all throughout COVID, and we just we we're very similar, and we're very open and vulnerable, and we want to be that way with our friends. And so we instantly yeah. vibed with like, "Hey, man, this is a safe space," and like, mm. and so you know, he's one of those guys who I was like, "You're the type of person." That is the friend that I wanted and want to be, and so mm. I like I'm grateful for. But we were talking, and because mm. uh, I'd asked him, I was like, you know, do you believe in the ten was a ten thousand hours rule, right? Mm-hmm. You do something for ten thousand hours, and you're a master. And when I when I think about what it means to be a master, I'm like, what does that really mean? And in to me, it's you are out of your own head, and you are just relaxed. I watch him on stage every night and he is like, there's not a, like, he's just like, he's him. There's no like, Oh, is, am I going to say the right word or do the right thing? Or is this going to be in the right order? There's none of that. And it's because he's fully relaxed. Like when I'm relaxed around my friends, I'm a genius. I Mm -hmm. like, I, I feel it and I know it. 
And when I'm home and I'm coming up with jokes on my own, the inner voice, like the one in the back of my mind that's fully relaxed is a gangster, right? Yeah. But when I get on stage, there's still it's not there yet. I'm not there yet. So I realize that 10,000 hours, it takes you 10,000 hours to relax is what I yeah. is what I've come to realize. And so every time I perform now, I'm focusing on relaxing more than anything else. Mm. Whether my whether my material hits well, whether people laugh, like all that is great because you have to, you know, know if your material works, you have to learn all that. But ultimately, it's I need to be up there because, you know, it's like when you're on a date and you're relaxed. Like, you're probably like me. You probably don't get nervous for dates anymore. Like, if you yeah. go on them. You're just like, yeah, yeah you're like, it's going to go great. Like, yeah. I, well, yeah. right? Before I leave, it's all yeah. good. <laughs> right? Whatever. Yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're fully relaxed and there's no stakes. You're just like, yeah, whatever. That mm -hmm. is what I need. I know that I need on stage. And so I'm, yeah. like, now uh, focusing on how to make sure that I am improving in that realm as well. So, yeah. and, and some of that does come with just doing the material over and over again. And so yeah. it's like, I know this material like the back of my hand. You know, there's a lot of that involved. But yeah, man, 10,000 hours to relax is a thing that I've learned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it's the same for acting and yeah. anything high level is like the more preparation for me. Like, you know, when people are complimentary about my performance, it's because I prepared really yeah. well on top of the underlying river and foundation of preparation that i'm always doing like last yeah. year i'm a bit of a psycho like i was laughing with my buddy yesterday i was like dude like i don't know anybody who does this but because this will tie in you asked me what my path was which is basically oh yeah sorry i, I cut you off yeah, yeah, no yeah. dude all good it's a conversation yeah. i i i got i had i got a really fortunate but brutal meeting my first year i had a, uh, a meeting with this manager and he just looked at me and he literally was like <laughs> basically i'm paraphrasing but he's like you're too fat you're too white you're too old you're too and i was just like oh shit i'm 21 like i'm too old you know and i just realized like no one's gonna give it to you no and so when i went to the playhouse west i was very fortunate in that i met a group of like minds because i've you know it's it was one thing for me to learn like i just assumed because i was doing it everybody was doing it but what i've learned about this group is it hasn't really come around since and it was a while since it had happened so it was like pretty special but basically there was 10 of us who formed the improv group and made over a hundred sketches i learned how to write edit be in a writer's room be in a production meeting be in these very low stakes obviously but yeah. we did it consistently for three and a half years we met every fucking wednesday and that really spurred me on and since then i've gotten into writing a lot like i write a lot and so you know i relate to you with writing material because you know people i used to beat myself up like if you're not in front of the fucking that's not writing but no actually most of my writing is out and walking if i'm get stuck mentally i get moving physically and so like a lot of my world is out there in you know the ether and i've yeah. learned over the years to relax on myself like yeah. sometimes i won't write for six months because i'm actually producing or directing and mm -hmm. i'm just like that's okay that's the trade whereas you know 26 year old me would have been like ah gotta fucking do it all yeah and it's like well no we gotta do it all well 
And so like part of the, the exercise I was bringing up at the beginning of this point was last year, some of the notes I'd been getting at the, like the studio level and the agency level were like fucking great storylines, great action characters need work. That's how I interpreted it, which is the hard part. Yeah. Right? People yeah. telling people authentically and uniquely because yeah. as Marlon Brando say, said, bottom line, you got to be entertaining. So if the best actor of all time is still aware that you got to fucking entertain, then I'm going to be aware too. Like you said, listen to the people before us. But yeah. last year I spent 11 months because it clicked in December actively just working on character and writing by myself oh, in, the wow. sad, in the sad, sad darkness of not being good at something. It yeah. sucked. I hated it. Yeah. It was like it was like my foe, and then like eleven months later, it clicked, and now my writing's at another level. Oh and wow! So yeah, it's just been like this kind of uh, yeah interesting thing. So those things scare me. To answer a further bad question, yeah. doing extra like working on my perceived weaknesses, and then I'm I'm working on a few projects right now. Like I showed you, Helmet, the 1970s. Yeah. Um, thing I made and that's a TV pilot pitch that like that's the sales apparatus for it and we're getting some real interesting meetings outside of Hollywood which is where I'm aiming to be anyways like I don't really I want to yeah. like start somewhere else with someone else's money and just like kind of untangle myself um, and I have the option because I have two features you know this is all strikes depending and all that shit but yeah I'm not worried about that. I'm gonna look at it like I looked at COVID, which is this is happening for me, not to me. And Bro, at the end of this, yes. it's gonna be the best shit that ever happened to me. So yeah, I got those projects, and they're scary. Like one of them, Shakespearean, and oh. intensity, and I'm the lead actor, and I, I kill my father, and I'm like, God, if you you know, there's a high wire act of, and when things are that Shakespearean, they can be melodramatic. So that's what scares me about it is like. I've never done this type of material as a uh, actor. Like, where am I going to find the real me? But that's, I want to be scared. I always try and do projects that are going to elevate me slightly. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to jump 60%. But if I take 5%, 1%, that's amazing. And yeah. I try and hire I mean, performers the same way. You know, you know, that's that old saying uh, to, to get something you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. Hmm. Wow, I love that. Yeah. I right? love that. So, which is oftentimes, and you know, and fear exists a majority, like a majority of fear exists in the unknown. So, like, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I totally get that fear of like, I'm doing this thing and I don't know. And, and you said it, you said it earlier. It's the, it's the like, I don't know if I'm good. I don't know if I'm funny. I don't know. Yeah. I think I, I think yeah. I am. Yeah. Right. I make me laugh, but I also, yeah. you know, it's like I also know I'm a huge fucking nerd. Like yeah. I watch, I watch videos on YouTube, and it's like these like super like science guys. They're making these very nerdy science jokes, and I'm dying. Yeah. But then when I look at them objectively, I'm like, that's this is ridiculous. But like, yeah. you know, but dude, uh, I, li I I I read. You know, I try to be a historian of my craft, and yeah. So that means I'm reading about what other people said and. You know, Chris Nolan, Denny, like yeah. they are like, dude, your only audience is you. 
And I realized for a long time I haven't truthfully in my heart of hearts been adhering to that. And I'm sure that's aspirational for them too. I'm not going to pretend they're gods, but of course, I think that's a nice thing to aim for. Like if I like, like that's what I've been learning business wise. Like we only need a market of a million people, which is less than a percentage of the United States alone, let alone the world. And a million people makes me a very happy artist. A hundred thousand would. So it's like, I, I, like some of these numbers are were like not aware of the reality. They actually like there's 400 million people supposedly yeah. in the U.S. alone. Yeah. That's so many people. Yeah, th- yeah, those numbers. You're right. Those numbers are definitely outside of the realm of all because we don't encounter a million of anything. No, in our day to day. No, the biggest show right now. It's on the Nielsen rating. It's like NCIS. You know, it's so funny when you really break it down. The top 20 shows are shows that are not popular, but they're like, uh, it's 20 million people watch it. And that's the highest. That's 5% of our country. <laughs> like, it's like nothing. And and I'm not even including the world because those yeah. numbers just, I can't do the percentages. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's, 8 billion people in the world? Yeah. yeah. No. So, that. That helps. That's been helping me lately to be like, dude, you don't need as many as you think. You don't need to be CBS. Yeah. I just need to galvanize the people who fuck with me. And I've also realized that too. If I get successful on a false foundation of myself, then I have to work my whole life to keep that false foundation of self. Yeah. Or no, else the people I, are like, oh, what'd you do? What'd you sell me on? Man. Fucking preaching. Preach right now. <laughs> yeah, like, you saying that, I'm thinking about, you know, my comedy and whatnot. And, like, one, when you said that, this thought popped into my mind. If I could be good enough that all my friends would want to come watch me perform, and that's it, I would be happy. If I only had my friends coming to watch yeah. me, but they, but they yeah. loved watching me so much that they would come to all of my shows, I'd be yeah. happy. I would be yeah. very happy with that. Yeah. Dude, wow. it's it's so true. It's a great point you bring up because I learned this firsthand. So I had a movie release that a five year baby, like doing yeah. emotional ties to my family. Like I co wrote it, co produced as the lead of it, and it released in January. And I was watching it over Christmas break with my family, and I, I was like, all of a sudden everything coalesced like my childhood the desire to be seen all these things like i'm like oh the child did the thing to be seen and is now in the opportunity to be seen by his parents and i realized it meant more than anything else anybody else watching it which i'm grateful for everybody who supports yeah i just realized sitting there with my sister and my mom i was like whoa this means something different like this actually matters in my day-to-day life yeah and so that's what i think of when you talk about your friends because it is sort of true it's like if i can make my homies laugh like yeah who gives right? a shit? yeah i'm not trying like, to make random redditor too laugh yeah because you know no matter what you do people some people are going to hate it and some people are going to love yeah. it Doesn't yeah art matter. should be polarizing as yeah the great yeah Rick Rubin it, says. yeah it does it does not matter and those who try to please everyone, please no one. Yeah. Wow, man. I think we're in an interesting time in the industry. I think it's flipping on its head. But this is the time that outlaws and pirates become. Right. You know, 
Lords and kings and queens and all that. I like that. This is the time when outlaws and pirates become kings and queens. I (laughs) fucking love that. That's amazing. My... um, uh, a guy that I've worked for a lot. He's a director now, but his name is Jay yeah. He directed Day Shift. He's directing a movie with uh, Dave Bautista right now. But Amazing. He's, yeah, he's and he's also he's from Texas. He's just one. Uh, of those, I love Texans, right? And he's also <laughs> he's also one of those dudes like he served in the military, mm. and and he's seen active duty combat. Like he went in Panama to get Noriega out back in the day. Like Whoa. it was yeah. So, but his attitude is. You know, he has this, like, I've taken life, and I've made life. Mm. And, like, so he has this just very laid back, like, I just want to be me, you know? Yeah. Um, but his uh, his corporation, uh, like, his, his like, logo is, is an outlaw. Like, he is an, mm. and, like, that's his whole persona, that he's an outlaw. And then now he's mm. a director. So, like, he's, like, the epitome of the thing that you just said. So that's why when you, when you said that, I instantly was like, oh, my God, that's so, you're absolutely right. Like the outlaws and say, I fucking love that, dude. I love it too because that's how I feel. You know, um, yeah. that's how I feel. I feel especially. Like, no, go ahead. Sorry, I haven't been. No, I just, I just feel it in my blood. That's all. Yeah, and it's especially because those who were making the rules before got so corrupt. Mm-hmm. Like we wouldn't be outlaws if things weren't so fucked up. No, come on, right? like. Like, you know, just to break this open for a second, like, no one has ever been able to explain to me cogently the Netflix business model because it doesn't aspire for great content. They just need your, and this is not a knock on Netflix necessarily. This is the industry. It's like they just need your sub, they just need your subscription. No. So it doesn't matter as long as they have blank based shit on there. It doesn't, dude, I swear we're going to see the return of uh, cinema. And it's going to be not, it's not going to, my theory is this, again, historian, I try, opera used to be the shit, number one in the world for, you know, our storytelling, Broadway, same shit. It's not, it's just not, sorry, but it's never been more uh, higher paying, probably, I would argue, like, I imagine there's some opera singers making millions, same on Broadway, obviously. It's never been more world-renowned, more toured, more seen, but it's not number one. And so I feel like movies are going to slide down there if they haven't already, because social media numbers are insane, supposedly. And so so it's just like it's going to return to the 90s as far as production numbers. Like, there'll still be great movies. It just won't be. Like, I read this article that said, who asked for all this shit? Like customer wise, yeah. cu- and I really thought about it. I was like, "Oh yeah, no customers were like, we need more content. We need it." It's just yeah. like it's it fit their way to evaluate their company, which gives their shareholders bigger dividends. Mm-hmm. And that's not a great recipe for art, and it's going to. I mean, it's well, collapsing. I will say, I will say this: in, in when you say who asked for it. I would argue that we did, but we didn't know that we were asking for it. Once we started signing up and the money started coming. Mm, fair enough. Then, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when, yeah. You, when, when, you look at the, when you look at what you do know, it's that they just mm. want to make money. And we were giving them money when they were giving. So they were like, well, if we give them more, they'll give us more money. And it's this mm. like thing. So it's like, I don't, 
But we didn't know that. We just well, they got us hooked with um, already made material. Yeah. Also, it's it wasn't presented to us yeah. that that they were they were just like, hey, here's a thing that makes the thing that you do more convenient. That's yeah. how it was yeah. originally presented to us. Yeah. Convenience. Yeah. And then they took our convenience and they were like, we they love convenience. We can make yeah. so much more money. Yeah. Let's Absolutely. just keep fucking pumping it. And no one cancels their subscriptions too. It's like seventy percent. No. So like you know, no. at the time yeah. it was like six ninety nine a month. You're like, who cares? Yeah, but yeah, and Netflix because they did a thing where they stopped. Uh, they were like, oh, you can't account share anymore, and they yeah. had an increase in subscribers. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, which is like, and but people, you know, the internet was like, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. Fuck yeah. that. Boycott Netflix. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Are you going to, yeah. or do you really yeah. want to watch the next season of Bridgerton? Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. You know what I mean? 100%. Yeah. 100%. I also think what's happening too, and I think that, I think everything, especially like the bigger it gets, it's, it moves slower. Yeah. Like it's a giant, you know? Yeah. And uh, is that they're realizing the social media numbers aren't that effective. Meaning yeah. like. They're not. Like, like, dude, I had a buddy fundraise. He has like a million followers. He got like $12. And he's like a real, but you know, if I think yeah. about it, everything was free. Everything is free. Everything is free for years, his followers. And then he's like, hey, donate to this movie, not like to a cause, because yeah. every charity he did got money. But yeah. like, dude, no one wanted to fork up. And I was yeah. like, whoa, that was my first taste of like. Well, yeah. because also, like, if you're going to, for things like that, it, it's, I think if you're going to do something like that, people aren't going to do it just to be like, let's see what you do. If you were like, "Hey, do you want your name in the credits?" Yeah, like you, yeah. you do that. Yeah. What you would yeah. like, then yeah. people because you know, especially with the economy yeah. and like the the difference between you know, I make a great living and I can't buy a house in L.A. No, you know what no. I mean? Like, it's I don't unreal. know. So people have to make real decisions, yeah. and when it's a thing that they're unsure of. They're not going to use their real money that they need to yeah. use to buy real food. Yeah. And, and you know, like. Absolutely. So, so I get it. And, yeah, social media numbers definitely don't. But when you have, when you have like, a, a, a history of, like, a message or something that mm -hmm. people feel a part of, then they'll yeah. donate. But that's a yeah. whole other. That's just not followers. That's just not, like. Yeah look at what I post on Instagram. That takes a whole other, which is why musicians can monetize their fans in a way that nobody else can. Because totally. musicians, like you're, yeah, you're, you're touching again. Like I, I was just on tour with logic. So I was watching him with his fans up close and watching how they feel connected and understood and heard and seen by this guy mm. that they've never met is amazing mm. and that's why they come to his shows and they buy his merchandise and they do all of that is because it's more than just here's a song i think you'll like it is mm. here's a song about a thing that i'm struggling with and i've struggled with and maybe you struggle yeah. too yeah, dude. Right? and then they hear that there was a mom who spoke about her daughter who's biracial and how she's like when she's at home, I'm there. But when she's in the world, I can't protect her. Mm. You know? Mm. And he's like, but your music is there for her. That kind of shit. Yeah. Like, 
that's the kind of shit. And I and you know, it also like seeing that, being around him, and also being in in places and having friends, and even this conversation of where I'm able to like express myself in has been informing my comedy in such a way that it's like I want to be very vulnerable in my comedy and very open about the things that I have struggled with. But also it's like, but you know, that's also hard. It's like how, you know, it's like making somebody laugh about my childhood trauma. But when I can talk about it and I can laugh about it with people, it makes it like it, the weight leaves me. Yeah. You're sharing the load. Yeah. And, and, and also knowing that you're not alone. Yeah, dude. I mean, I have a lot. Yeah. I mean, the mind is a lonely place. Yeah. 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 We, we overuse it like a, it's uh, the mind is a tool. Like it's like using a hammer to fix your fridge. It's that's what we're trying to do with our mind. The mind's in the body, which tells me the body's actually the most important thing to yeah. nature and experiencing this earth. But I have this uh, logic story. I was hesitant to share because it's it's a dark one. But um, so my dad killed himself from PTSD last year. He was a Navy SEAL for thirty years, and it was a total shock. It was a total shock. And luckily, I was in therapy and all these things, as I mentioned earlier, and um, been processing it, obviously. And uh, it's been intense, you know, because I'm a firm believer of, like, we're souls on this human experience. Like, that was that was an experience for the record books. Yeah. And so I had been battling with my own suicidal ideation my whole life, too, because I realized I had inherited his PTSD. But if you think about generational trauma or ptsd it's not like people think it's not like my grandmother was a slave i'm a slave my dad had ptsd i it's the energy brought into the space is absorbed by the children so they start picking up the physical cues of said trauma so it looks different it's just it's deceptive like i'm not i didn't go to war yeah like just so we're clear i was never in the military but my dad went on 13 deployments oh my god yeah, and just for context, like four is a shit ton. No, and, I, I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware. No, I know you know. Yeah. But oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, oh that's yeah. right, we're recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I was so, like, oh no, nigga, I, that's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, dude. Wow. Uh, he's incredible. He's an incredible guy. It was incredible. Total shock. And just in dealing with that. I was finally able to articulate like my own ideation. I didn't realize that's what it was, but I got close a few times. And then the last time I swear to God, I just heard his song and I called the hotline. And no, really? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it was just, uh, you know, I, it's just such a brief moment that that thought of it, but I'm like, I remember when he was doing it, like that song was popular. Yeah. It's an amazing song. I just remember being both like in awe and jealous of his courage to open up on such a hot. Cause I weirdly have known like nine people to kill themselves. I'm from a very military heavy town for oh. military bases. Yeah. And like, you know, and then after my dad died, all the family secrets come out like, Oh, we had three suicides in the family. So it's like, Oh, we're healing all this trauma now. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just, you know, it's a random ass connection, but it is no, very powerful, obviously. Super powerful. But that's the, like, you know, 
that encapsulates just like all the things that we've been saying is like when you do things that like come from like here yeah it it it, it affects people and it's important yeah. and that is i think and that's the thing that cinema has has begun or not not begun to, but like it's definitely losing mm-hmm. you know and like mm-hmm. and with the with netflix and all these things and they're so focused on dollars and we you've heard it in the past but yeah. it feels like it's 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 exponentially like you know what Gross. i mean yeah. yeah like where we are yeah. now in that yeah um, dude so that, logic's video with uh chris delia you know he and eminem Oh like yeah. Delia, oh, Delia yeah. does Eminem. Yeah. Like, you know, Delia's one of my favorite stand-ups. That guy fucking I, yeah, he's, I love I, I love that guy. So, yeah. As so, far as his comedy. I yeah, don't I was saying it's a shame. Yeah. Shame yeah. that's uh Man, it's yeah. like those things I'm just like, man, you gotta be you just gotta be so like Yeah. You know? Yeah. Intentional yeah. or not, you gotta once you get to a certain like I'm I'm like I'm like like w level famous right mm-hmm. <laughs> like i'm not very but like mm-hmm. i'm more like people have seen me on tv and yeah. even i am like wary of the world and like the people that i talk to and everything because yeah. you know and i have nothing in 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 react like in the grand scheme of it and yeah. uh yeah i just you gotta have you just gotta can't let your your hubris uh win the day yeah, and it's also, you know, not even about him specifically, but just, like, my stuff. It's, like, addiction plus history plus yeah. this. Like, you know, like, Hollywood likes to, like, it's so funny, dude. Like, this is part of the reason I'm sickened with it on some level. It's, like, I remember a few years ago, and I, I like, agree with you about the Oscars, but, like, 10x because, you know, I have buddies who worked in the studio system who are, like, it's bought and paid for. Like, honestly, yeah. you know, and it's like, I don't know if you remember last year, they got, people got in a tiff because an indie movies actress got a best actress nom. And it's like, the literal articles are like, they never paid for the, it's like, yeah, it's a fucking indie movie. And she was incredible. Like, isn't yeah. that the point? But yeah. anyway, a few years ago, they banned guns. There was like this big Hollywood fucking protest at the Oscars. Yeah. And I remember driving through traffic because you know how hollywood gets closed down for it and now i'm on highland and i look up and they're ironically touching back to the beginning of the pod there's a 150 foot poster of a guy shooting a 50 cal with blood on his face for the purge anarchy and (laughs) i'm like oh yeah hollywood's really against guns you know like because if they were then there wouldn't be guns in movies there wouldn't be guns you know uh Speaking of which, I this this was a weird moment for me. So I went and watched the most recent John Wick. Um, yeah, I've which seen is it too. Uh, yeah, which the John Wick movies are cool. They're just cool, fucking like it's yeah. just really cool. But when I watched it, it had been after I'd been doing comedy for a while, and like I said before, I've been really getting in touch with me doing mm-hmm. comedy and like really analyzing myself how i view the world how i view people and i was just in this space of because at my so at my core like my my in my like heart of hearts i'm a very sensitive person the world has uh ha- is such that i've had to push that away and not yeah. allow that to come out because the world doesn't take kindly to people who are too sensitive right mm-hmm. just doesn't 
But in doing this work, that part of me has started to come out more, which I'm enjoying. And now that I'm, I've also had the years of not that I can, like, I can, you know, like kind of maneuver it better within the world. I remember when I was watching John Wick 4 and he was just like killing a bunch of people. I was like, man, those people have families. Like, Uh I was like, we are just watching this dude just murder guards. They're henchmen. Yeah. They didn't do anything. They just, yeah. they just accepted a job. This motherfucker yeah. could have been working at Home Depot the day before. And then, like, you don't know any of these. We assume I they're know. bad guys. But the whole movie, I remember feeling so bad for everyone that was getting mm-hmm. murdered. And it Dude, was, it's so true. I was like, where? Because I, I wouldn't I rewatch the first one. And I was like, I didn't feel that in the first one. And because I'm rewatching it, I don't feel it. Because yeah. I remember that, like, oh no, it's just cool. But yeah. for some reason, I just well, I just the the so the bad. further they got, I mean, there's two things happening. You're right, a hundred percent. I was literally thinking about this and writing jokes about it two days ago, yeah. like with the Avengers. I'm like, yeah. those motherfuckers have killed a billion people. Bro, like, they've murdered so many. Splatted people. them, like just absolutely just, splatted them. Just when they, yeah, yeah just <laughs> like, like, yeah, like the, the Hulk. Hulk? The yeah. Hulk doesn't give a fuck about what you're doing. The opening scene in Civil War where they're going through the woods and America yeah. throws a motorcycle at it, dude. I'm like, you just murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Murdered. He's dead. Kyle yeah. and I will always turn to each other and be like, dead, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, absolutely dead. Yeah, and sure the issue with sequels on some level is they can almost never, the ones that do kill, because they're usually better premises, but yeah. they'll miss the heart. And yeah. so, you know, the fourth one, like his dog doesn't die. So it's yeah. like, we're yeah. we're like we're not as in. We love Keanu, and he's yeah. cool, but but yeah, you but you're, just, you're dumped into it in the middle of it. Whereas yeah. in the beginning, you're like, oh yeah, huh. no, they, yeah. they they stole your car, beat you up, yeah. killed your dog, yeah. burned your yeah. house down. Yeah. yeah, kill whoever you want. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah, but by the fourth one. Yeah, I remember at the end of it, I forgot. I was like, oh, yeah, he had a wife. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. I forgot 100%. About that. Yeah. Right on, brother. Well, uh, where are you performing these days as we wrap it up right now? So right now, um, at the fourth wall, there's a there's fourth in wall. In North Cafe. Hollywood? Yeah, so there's the, the fourth wall cafe in Hollywood is where I perform. Cool. I'll, I'll do open mics at the one in NoHo, but that's like a black box with like, you know, me and like seven Sweet. comedians. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I'm at right now, I'm at the point of just building a, cool. you know, I'm building a, a stream of material. So then yeah, when, you're working it out. Yeah. So then when I like erupt onto the scene, it's like, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'll have your Instagram and the stuff below. But oh, before great. I go, I just want to shower you with a little love, dude. I fucking appreciate you. Every time I've spent time with you, you've been just such a solid person. Like I feel comfortable safe and free to be me around you which i don't think there's a bigger compliment and all your professional accolades are very cool but that is not why i love you bro and so thank you for your time spent today it was a pleasure thanks man i really appreciate that yeah dude i love this i anytime uh you just hit me up man sweet i'm gonna stop it and then we can say a quick goodbye all right are you a creative who wants to take control of your career Are you someone who wants to be creative but doesn't know where to start? Then this course is for you. This course teaches you how to make your own film. 
And in my experience, that's the best way to get noticed in Hollywood. And that's the best way to control your own career, aka your life. If you want to have an enjoyable life, yet be creative and creatively fulfilled, then you're going to have to make your own projects. And you get to make them. And this course is going to teach you just how to do that. And this course is on feature films, but you can scale that down all the way to music videos or short films. And the way this course goes is I teach you in short, punchy classes, podcast style, so you can just listen and take notes. I also do Loom commentaries where I'm watching my own films and telling you exactly how I accomplished each scene. And I laugh at because, you know, we're looking at 14 years of work and there's a lot of mistakes and a lot of growth and a lot of information in there. And lastly, you get to do an AMA and ask me anything with me once a week and you'll get your questions answered. And if you're in the middle of production, I can help you with that. If you're in pre-production, I can help you with that. If you don't know what the hell's going on, I can help you with that. So again, if you're a creative who wants to take control of their life, have a good life, have a good career, then this course is for you. I hope I get to see you guys in the Rebel Filmmaking community. I had such a blast making it, and I can't wait to share everything I learned over the last 15 years. I'm Sean. Thank you, guys.